Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Garden State of Hockey podcast. It's been an exciting preseason so far. I love saying it. I love that hockey's back. I love that we can watch our Devils play. And I know that John has been watching as well. Hello, John. Hello. Um, It's been, you know, I'm not going to read into these results. There's no point in doing that. Mm-hmm. The things that we're looking for are how is everyone performing in real game situations? Well, not real game situations, but real games against opponents instead of against each other in training camp. We were looking to see the players that stood out in these games, and uh, we're happy to say that one of the groupings of players that has stood out has been the goaltenders, as they've not allowed more than two goals in any single game so far. Nope. The uh, collection of goalies, most notably Blackwood and Vanacek, who've actually played a lot more in this preseason than I would have anticipated. Uh, Vanacek played all of last night's game against Boston. Blackwood coming off of illness, which turned out to be actual illness and not code for uh, his colon exploded and is out for the next six months. Um, Nope. He played all of Friday's game against our hated rivals and was legitimately the only good player for the New Jersey Devils in Friday's game against our hated rivals, but uh, everybody performed, everybody wearing pads pretty much performed beautifully over these first five preseason games. Mm -hmm. And that's been a relief. It's been refreshing. It's been interesting that uh, it has come to that with the roster that we're seeing the devil's ice game after game. So um, I don't know. I don't really want to get too into the details of preseason games there's all sorts of weird lineups there's all sorts of mm-hmm. um you know weird arrangements of players players that get set down immediately not even really worth talking about their performances in these games but mm. uh, if you want to talk about i mean all players but i wanted yeah. to bring up specific players so yes the the players i want to talk about are the ones we're looking to have a good showing camp kind of the fringe guys that we didn't know if they'd be on the team or not and so let's talk about how they look and let's start with one that I think everyone hopes has had a good showing. And I believe that everyone thinks he has Alex Holtz. Absolutely. He is one of a handful of players who've played over 40 minutes total in preseason um, out of the seven guys that have done it so far in five on five hockey. Five of them are guys that are pretty much mortal locks to make the lineup. Jack Hughes, Jonas Siegenthaler, Dougie Hamilton, John Marino, Justin Bratt. Holtz is one of those seven Um, You'll be surprised to find out who the other person is in a moment. I think you're going to ask me about him too. But Holtz has been um, pretty much uh, on a scoring line in his three appearances so far. Um, You know, I think some people would have liked to have seen him score a little bit more. 
but so far I've been generally pleased with how he's been keeping up with the pace of play, winning pucks, battling for pucks. Um, he has 12 shooting attempts in his uh, 43 minutes so far, which is a big improvement over last season when he only had the seven. Um, you know, he's winning pucks along the boards. He's in position to make reads. He's making passes himself. In fact, he even has an assist uh, for his sole preseason points. So even though one would like to see more production, Holtz, I think, is showing that, yeah, he's faster. Yep, he's stronger. Yep, he understands he's going to have to, quote unquote, work uh, for his uh, opportunities. And he is putting in that work. And I think he's in a good position to at least survive all the way till uh, the preseason ender on Saturday against Boston. Mm-hmm. He's doing things basically that lead to the production that we would hope to see later, obviously. Exactly. We just want to see him doing the right things in preseason, at least, that the production doesn't happen until the regular season. So be it. Um, yep. That being said, let's go to the uh, the most muscular man on the team, Fabian Zetterlund. The swole Swede, um, sad to like, he's one of those players that he's been kind of utilized with NHL players, so similar to Holtz. Holtz has primarily played with Jack Hughes, Andre Palat uh, against Boston. They stuck him with, um, I believe, Sharon Govich and Mercer, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. I think that's right. Um, nevertheless, NHL players. With Zetterloon, it's a lot closer to what you would expect for a bottom six player. He's playing with Miles Wood. He's playing with Eric Halla. He's playing with Jesper Boakvist and so forth. And Zetterloon has kind of run hot and cold. Um, he hasn't done anything, I think, particularly excuse me, anything particularly bad in his three appearances, Mm -hmm. but I'm not sure if he's done enough to justify to say, yeah, this guy's head and shoulders above everyone else. Like say what you want about miles wood, but miles wood after that first game has demonstrated, he's got his speed back. He's willing to uh, be a little patient on the puck, which is surprising to see from Mr. Wood since woods woods MO on offense is always shoot first and ask questions later. Um, he him, seeing him actually pass up a really good opportunity for a shot for an even better pass against Boston uh, was uh, impressive. Uh, nevertheless, uh, I, I'm not super clear if Zetterlund has done a whole lot to really set himself apart from everybody else that could qualify for the bottom six. I think his, the fact that he is eligible for waivers, I think helps his cause, mm-hmm. but um, I'd like to see him do something against the Islanders or something in that final game against Boston, just to sort of, you know, confirm it. Don't leave it up to chance. Yeah. Um, if he ends up going back to Utica, I am a little worried that someone would claim him on waivers. And if he does pass through, well, I, I would not expect him to stay in Utica the entire season. I think we would definitely see him come back at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When injuries start to inevitably pile up as they always do. Yep. Um, but uh, let's go to uh, Nolan Foot, someone in a similar position. Yeah, so Foot. I'm trying to be positive here. I'm trying to be mm-hmm. a little nice because uh, we are talking about younger players. And, and Foot here, see, if Zetterlund didn't do a whole lot, Foot has done pretty much nothing. And th- this is not an exaggeration here. Here is his stat line. He has one shooting attempt on net in two games in 21 minutes. He has one penalty, a minor penalty. Uh, When he has been on the ice, the Devils have scored a goal and given up nothing. That's nice. Uh, The Devils out of tempted their opponents 19 to 16. But as we know, Foote contributed zero of those goals and 
one of those 19 shooting attempts. My point is Foot has just been a guy on the ice. And for a player like Nolan Foot, uh, who, whether he believes it or not, is, you know, he's got to be fighting for some minutes, um, if not in New Jersey, then in Utica. Mm-hmm. He needed to be a lot more active. Um, he simply wasn't. He, it's similar to his preseason performance last year, where he was similarly ghost-like on the ice and was ghost-like in, on the score sheet and ghost-like in terms of his actual impact in preseason games. And I think that's a big reason why we saw Graham Clark yesterday mm-hmm. as opposed to Nolan Foot. Yeah, so let's talk about him. Right. So Clark is one of those guys that I noted didn't play in the prospect tournament for whatever reason. I thought he had an injury, perhaps not, uh, but he definitely has received more minutes than Nolan Foote. He's actually played about as much as Fabian Zetterlund, uh, albeit in bottom six situations, uh, maybe a smattering of power play time here or there, but he has attempted to shoot the puck a little bit. He even has a goal. Mm-hmm. So there you go. He has a goal. That's something that he can claim over Mr. Zetterlund and Mr. Foot. Um, I don't think Clark has done anything particularly amazing to make you say this guy needs to be in the NHL, but I think he helped reestablish his himself in the pecking order, you know, among the foots and the Zetterloons and the other potential comets slash um, fringe players, so to speak, where, yeah, this, this, you can't ignore Clark entirely. And if he goes on and has a very strong season with the comets, you know, I think he'll ha- he'll be in a position to fight for a better roster spot. I think right now with the fact that the team has Zetterloon, has Nathan Bastian, um, unfortunately still has Mason Geertsen in its light in its uh, line of thinking. It has um, let's see, I'm trying to see who else is among him. Tyce Thompson, of course, I mm-hmm. completely forgot about him. You have Alexander Holtz. Like those are all right wingers or guys who could be lined up at right wing. Uh, for some reason or another. And I think Clark is just in a numbers, a victim of a numbers game. However, it's encouraging to see that he did, um, or at least he has made more of his opportunities in preseason than Nolan foot. Yeah. It's a shame. Really. I was, we were all hoping for a lot more from Nolan foot in terms of, you know, really getting the opportunity to take a spot if he wanted one, I guess. I mean, obviously he wants one, but if he, could earn one it's there for him he was the big piece of the uh the coleman trade and so again everyone wanted it to work out but for some reason there's just something's not catching on with him as opposed to all these guys who i have to say it's nice to see them actually manifest into the nhl we've been hearing their names as prospects for years but the fact that they're not as blocked as they have been in the past they're actually getting these looks in the preseason that's pretty reassuring to me it, it is. And it's also a credit to the coaching staff to at least wanting to give all these guys opportunities. Whereas, you know, you would expect the first two games or maybe the first four games, um, you know, you'd expect to see a slash B lineups or NHL slash AHL lineups or, or what the Boston Bruins threw out last night, which was a BC team uh, against yeah. New Jersey. Um, but the Devils have utilized 41 different skaters so far in their five games. So they're definitely getting opportunities, even if it's just a one game or just to say, yeah, you don't have a chance of making the team, but let's give you an opportunity. You know, we'll see, see what you get can do for us. And we can at least have something on tape to consider for the future. Um, which they did with guys like Tyler Wotherspoon and Robbie Russo and other guys that I think you and I would agree don't really have a long sh- a chance at making the NHL team. Yeah. Um, or Samuel LaBerge, who got a preseason game and literally can't because he's on an AHL contract. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, but uh, yeah, a guy like Clark definitely has made the most of it. Whereas a guy like Foot, I just want to I just want to send him down and go, son, 
go talk to Mr. Holtz and, and, and find out who his skating coach is because you need it. <laughs> you need yeah. to be, you, whatever you have that you got going for you, you got to be faster at it. He's got that Jesper Bratt tonic. He's got to go to that trainer in Sweden and just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Like he just has to get faster somehow. And that was always the knockoff. It worked for Holtz. Why not? You might as well at this point, because again, ever since he was drafted, even when Tampa Bay drafted him, the reason why he was a late first round draft pick and not any higher was there were concerns about his skating and his speed. Well, Mm -hmm. guess what? Sometimes Mm -hmm. the scouts are right. And we're seeing it and we saw it firsthand uh, in in this prospects challenge and in this uh, preseason so far. And that's why he has done little of consequence and is basically on the out should be on the outside looking in. Whereas a guy like Clark, you think, okay, he's probably going to go to Utica too, but Hey, you feel a little bit more positive about him. Maybe there's a better than zero chance you see Clark get a game or two in New Jersey at some point in 2022, 2023. Nice. And so that'll set him up, obviously, for future camps. Are there any other forwards you think are on that bubble qualification? Because I was going to go to some defensemen next, but uh, besides, uh, I guess Ty Thompson. Yeah, Thompson is another guy where, unfortunately, he picked up an injury. Mm-hmm. And uh, given, Every the time. Jer- given the New Jersey Devils organization, you know, because uh, unfortunately, we found out with Nico Heischer, he picked up cramps uh, within the first period of the first preseason game, and suddenly cramps turned into a hamstring injury which begs the question, you know, what's the real issue here? You know, we've seen this with Taylor Hall. We saw this with Miles Wood last season. The New Jersey Devils are not exactly forthcoming with the injury reports. Uh, not exactly the most honest broke, you know, set of brokers up there in Newark. Uh, but it appears that Tyce Thompson, you know, did sustain a minor injury. Um, again, similar to Clark, I would say, you know, the impact he's had has been positive, but it's always, you know, low, low minutes, hasn't done a whole lot on the ice to really say this guy needs to be in the NHL, mm-hmm. but uh, he's somebody that I know New Jersey has liked. We've seen extended call-ups for Tyce Thompson in the past. Um, I think the fact is we'll probably see him in New Jersey at some point, but chances are he'll probably start in Utica as things stand. But again, the devils may go, well, we like Thompson. So we'll leave it to the end and figure it out after Sunday. Mm-hmm. And you know, another thing they have to figure out, and I think this is more figured out just by the contract situations, but is the defensive side of the puck. And mm-hmm. um, there are six NHL level contracts or six or seven, I guess. Um, currently on the Devils, I want to say, I mean, is it six or is it seven? It's it's six unless you're a really big Simon Nemich fan. Got it. Okay. So, you know, we're, we're looking at those guys that I don't think you're likely to see Simon Nemich this year, uh, just based on that contract situation that's going on. I don't think you're see some likely to see someone like Nikita Okotuk. So I'm going to focus on the two that I think would likely be first call-ups from Utica. Um, let's talk about uh, Walsh first. Yeah, Walsh. So here's the thing with Walsh. I recognize he had a really good season with, with the Comets last season. Lots mm-hmm. of production, lots of minutes. And, you know, if the Devils need a right-sided defenseman, he's kind of the only choice you have on hand other than Nemich. Mm-hmm. And given that Walsh is coming out of his contract soon, his waiver status is going to uh, go and go up in smoke after this season as well. You kind of need to know now, you know, is Walsh one of, you know, is he a depth guy at least for your organization or is he, he needs to go somewhere else. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Walsh has really done a whole lot in preseason or even in the prospects challenge, in my opinion, to really justify NHL minutes. I, I think he's had moments where it's like, okay, he can move the puck decently. He's not getting completely bodied. And then the next thing you see is he he commits a killer turnover. He's out of position. You're wondering why is eight over there when the play is, you know, 50 feet to his left. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's just sort of like, you almost want to sit him down and go, son, you're, you're blowing a great opportunity here. Um, I hope you're recognizing that you're blowing it at least uh, say what you want about a cut yuck. Uh, but at least a cut yuck has been more in position and in position to make uh, some plays, even mm-hmm. if it is being hemmed in his own end. Yeah. And I, I just think just based on what you said about handedness, that's just more likely. Um, but let's talk about the other one. I think he's had a, I think he's had what we call the Dawson Mercer preseason where he has just surprised everyone by being extremely competent. And that's Kevin ball. And he is the other guy that I mentioned earlier. One of the seven who has played over 40 minutes of preseason hockey mm-hmm. uh, in the three games. In fact, he's actually your current ice time leader in five on five with 49 minutes and 12 seconds, which is almost a minute more than the big deal himself. E- extremely impressive. I have to say. Yeah, and that's just five on five. That doesn't include all the penalty killing work. Now, granted, you're, are you going to put Kevin Ball on your power play? No. And if he is, um, something bad happened. Mm-hmm. Yes, that did happen actually at one point last season, but let's not talk about that atrocity. <laughs> yeah. uh, Kevin Ball, um, is he fast? No. Is he going to break out a lot of plays? No. But what has he been doing? He's been in position a lot of the times. He's played clean hockey. Mm-hmm. Um he has not taken a single penalty yet. Um, when he's been on the ice, the Devils have just shut things down. Yeah. And and more importantly, he hasn't been a drain on the offense. When he's on the ice, um, you know, the Devils are not only out shooting and out attacking their opponents in five on five, but doing so by great margins as well. So it's not like sticking him out there means that, you know, oh, you can't play any offense like the Devils have been able to do that. Now, granted, Mm -hmm. that's probably a function of the forwards in front of him and his partner and all that. But again, as you said, Dan, he is playing a lot better and a lot more effectively than I would have expected him. Going into this preseason, I had higher hopes for Kotyuk. Yeah, I thought he was the better guy in the prospect games. And I think even in the little bit of ice time he got last season in New Jersey, um, outside of one amazing goal by Nico Heischer, I didn't really think ball was all that great. Um, I was wondering, you know, what's the point here? I'm starting to understand, okay, now I can see why the team was so enamored with him that they said uh, the previous, the previous GM Ray Shero said, I want this guy for Taylor Hall. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want a different prospect, Arizona. I want this guy. And now I can understand, okay, if he's playing like this, I can see it. I still think at, to start this season, he's going to probably be that seventh defenseman as things mm-hmm. stand, but better, you know, for his, again, similar to Walsh, um, he's at the point of his career where it's like, you're starting to lose your waiver ineligibility after the season. You're going to need a new contract soon. You got to show whether or not you're, get to be a player in this organization and that time is now mm-hmm. and he's doing it unlike walsh he is making the most of his opportunities i would say if he has another good game uh whether it's against the islanders or against boston i think he's at least a safe bet to start the season in new jersey and mercer was the first round pick they got in the hall trade wasn't he uh yes you are cur- wait now I have to think Am about I this. Correct, right? Because this is because that was also the Mukamukamadulan, or is it Mercer? 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, Hold on. By the way, everybody, as I look this up, I highly recommend a site called NHLTradeTracker.com. It's not exactly the prettiest website in the world. However, it's incredibly functional. It has an incredible, and I do mean incredibly deep, um, line of history, either by team, by player, by GM even. Uh, to go through an entire team's history of trades from the minor trades like the Louis Domingue for a conditional seventh and 20 for, you know, way back in November 1st, 2019 to the Taylor Hall trade that we are talking about. And um, yeah, I thought that would tell me who exactly that conditional first was to Arizona. (laughs) Um, No, it was the, that was the Muhumadulin pick because that was 20th overall, because remember Arizona, Surprise the world by beating the John Hines coach National oh, Predators right. in the return to play format, which which secured a um, well a, a pick in the bottom bottom half of that draft because okay they they said if you didn't win that qualifying round you ended up in the lottery and um, the Tampa Bay first round pick uh, okay yeah that was um, Coleman. That was that was a 2020 pick, though. Okay, I'm getting I'm getting lost here. Hold on. Okay. anyway, to bring it back to the original point, pretty good that Kevin Ball has looked extremely competent. It's nice that um, you're right. It has been as lopsided as it's been. It's not like it's complete dead zone when he's out there. It's it's something that he's doing enough to not just stop the play, but also push it the other way, which is not something that I think anyone expected of Kevin Ball this preseason. So it's good that. um, we potentially have that that player that we didn't expect this from in the preseason, but we're seeing something that makes the coaches maybe think twice about who's taking that six spot, who's maybe that first call up, who is it going to be, Walsh or Ball? So uh, overall, preseason so far, you know, the parts of the game that we wanted to see be good are good mm-hmm. besides the power play. Um, oh, I've got thoughts about this power play, Dan. Go on. Okay, Dan. I'm becoming more and more convinced, you know, because I did a lot of complaining and a lot of whinging and a lot of finger pointing at Mark Recchi and the power Mm -hmm. play for the last two seasons. I'm starting to wonder if my finger should have been pointed at Mr. Ruff Mm. because there have been some changes on this power play there. You've seen some more rotation on the power play. They're not five statues in the offensive zone. Movement is good. Movement, Movement is good. There is movement. It's not just two guys passing the puck looking for a seam pass to a third guy. They're mm-hmm. utilizing the bumper, they're utilizing the man on the goal line. So they're forcing the opposition to at least, you know, respect the bottom half of the of the zone, which is good. Mm-hmm. However, we continue to see this remarkably useless and inefficient uh, back pass or drop pass on breakouts, yeah. something that even pre- in preseason other teams are sniffing out. And uh, in at least one you know, very memorable situation caused a goal against uh, by our hated rivals because of two a, shorthanded goals in that two, game. Yeah, two two shorties. And and the sad thing is because Mr. Laughlin brought this up on the uh, streamed broadcast on uh, 
Monday night against Boston. Oh, well, you know, they gave up two shorties. So teams are looking for that. And I'm thinking, no, they're looking for it because you got, you, you're, you're literally leaving the puck on a plate <laughs> and hoping the other guy picks it up. You know, it's basically fresh meat for a penalty killer. Cause let's say you go get it, you get an offensive opportunity and you score a shorty. If you don't get it, Oh, but you force him back. That's a win. You're killing time. Yeah. That's the goal. You know, it's a, it, you're, you're helping the penalty kill out. You're going to see 31 penalty kills this season, 31 opponents, 31 penalty kills basically go aggressive on the four check against the devils. If they continue to do this back pass, the only modification since that two shorty night is, well, the guy doing the drop pass instead just does a 180 and then fires a pass backward, which, oh. okay, at least you're looking at the guy you're passing it to. But the problem is, and this is why it's so inefficient and terrible, is that you're spending all this time and not forcing, you're not making your breakout any easier or your zone entry any easier. The yeah. whole concept of a drop pass or a back pass on a breakout was popularized by Washington, who also popularized the one three one formation that everybody uses. They did that in the neutral zone with pace so the opposition didn't have time to figure out like oh this is where the point of attack is going to be this is who's going to have the in their own zone extremely slowly exactly what what is that what is that it's effectively a team that decides i'm gonna you know if i can use a football analogy i'm sorry a football analogy here Mm -hmm. it's like a team that decides all right it's third and nine we're gonna run a reverse yeah they may not expect it but most reverses don't go very far for a reason. They're not t- particularly difficult to stop unless you're completely unaware. And that's kind of how I feel about the Devils' pet breakout and the fact that it was the same type of breakout we've seen under the last two seasons. I'm wondering how much influence is this from coming from Mr. Ruff as opposed to Mr. Burnett? I, I hope they're watching that footage and realizing just how ineffective it is because, man, I, I really don't want to see another season of that. It was yeah. so... So frustrating when you could, from home, predict yeah. exactly what they were going to do, where the puck was going to be at all times. Mm-hmm. And if you're sitting at home being able to do that and just foreseeing the frustrating event that was about to transpire, it's, it's just so demoralizing. It must be even more demoralizing for the players, but for some reason they just yeah. kept trying that system. It, exactly. And it goes back to why my one big concern for, you know, why I'm not getting you know, optimistic. I'm not getting hyped up about the fact that four and one and, you know, everything's looking good is because we saw a lot of this stuff last year in the preseason even, and we figured ah, but they're getting results. They're scoring goals. It's looking good, you know, but we learned the hard way from last season. At least I learned the hard way last season is that if your tactics are bad, it doesn't matter if you got Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux on the same team. If you give them bad tactics, they're going to be undercut. You know, quality can only overcome a bad game plan to some degree, only so much. Mm. And I feel that, uh, you know, you know, this is not the New Jersey Devils of 2016. This is the New Jersey Devils with Dougie Hamilton and Jack Hughes and uh, Jesper Bratt and Alexander Holtz and Yegor Sharangovich. You know, you have the players to form a really decent power play at minimum. So if you can't figure it out, I'm not going to sit there and go, well, it must be that Jack Hughes can't run a power play. No, coach, you got to fix it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he can run a power play. Yeah, yeah, the skill set. I mean, even in the Boston game, I know the Devils only scored the one goal, but they hit the post something like four times. Yep. And and three of them were direct results from Mr. Hughes, whether he set up the shot that hit the post or he hit the post himself. Like the guy 
is still the straw that stirs that stirs the proverbial drink and, yeah. it's, and it delivers a delicious drink but you got to give them the right cup you got to give them the right structure to make it work don't uh, put need, this liquid in a paper thimble i need them to get all the posts out of their system right now because my god they're certainly accomplishing that goal if that's what it is they're hitting so many posts every game already which again not an issue in the preseason but i just hope they really really get it out of their system now so they can just be done with it by the time real games roll around right well speaking of uh getting done with things um we have seen a number of cuts already Mm -hmm. now i haven't written about any of them because the devil's kind of been drip feeding some of these I thought there'd be more by now, but, you know, especially now that Utica's camp has started. And with only two games to go. Yeah, exactly. So maybe there'll be more cuts on Wednesday. Um, you know, I mean, today is observed for Yom Kippur. Perhaps they're they're not actually respecting the holiday. They put four <laughs> guys on waivers today. I don't know where I was going with that. Uh, forgive me for that. But uh, but the guys that they've been cutting, you know, are literally no surprises. Um, you know, last after the Friday game against our hated rivals, uh, the one loss, you know, all the AHL contract guys were sent down to Utica and all the four prospect guys were sent back to their respective teams. Uh, Topaz Valen went back to, to Pelicans and Liga. Chase Stillman was booted right back to Peterborough and the two WHL guys that didn't feature at all in preseason went back to their WHL teams. So mm-hmm. no, no surprises there. Tuesday before the game, they announced that Zach Senishin has signed a contract with Utica. So okay. he's now with, he's now a Comet for a season. Uh, apparently Thomas Hickey, I guess, didn't want to do that. Or you, the AHL actually has veteran rules. You, you're only limited to a number of uh, NHL experienced veterans. And I think the Devils may have too many. They're close to the limit. So maybe Hickey couldn't have gone there. But regardless, he was set free from his PTO. So he did not make the team. But I don't mm-hmm. think anybody would have argued that Thomas Hickey should have made this team or Zach yeah. should have made this team. Um, and then today, um, you know, they put four guys on waivers, Robbie Russo, who actually played very well against Boston, but everyone and their mother could have told you he wasn't making this team. And so he didn't. Uh, Tyler Watherspoon was placed on wa- waivers. Joseph Gambardello was placed on waivers and Jeremy Burlow was placed on waivers. So no surprises there. All four AHL veterans or in Gorlo's case, a veteran to be, um, they're going to be, they're probably going to clear and they're probably going to be sent to Utica um, as of tomorrow at 2 PM. So, Okay that still leaves you with roughly 40 guys left in camp. You got to move these guys soon. <laughs> you're running yeah. out of time. Yeah. Um, if you're looking for a drop dead date, cap friendly helpfully tells you at the very, very top of the site, uh, you got until uh, 2 PM on um, actually, no, you got until 5 PM. I should say on, uh, I want to say, yeah, Monday, uh, October 10th. So that's the day that you have to have your opening day roster meet your 23 player requirement and you have to be cap compliant, which is very important because again, if you go to cap friendly right now, there's a lot of teams over the cap right now. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I whispered that, but some of these are just like remarkably bad, like Montreal somehow $10 million over the cap. I know they will be under when they'll put Weber and price on LTIR, but the point remains the same. Like how, how, how did you do this? That's, you that's know. just like bizarre. Good but, GMing. Uh, well, he, he's not to GM anymore. This is now uh, Kent Hughes's problem. Again, no yeah. relation to the big deal. He's related to the other Jack Hughes. Connecticut. Uh, I'm sorry. Northeastern so Jack Hughes. Yeah. It's so confusing. I, I literally teach about chemistry, and this is the most confusing thing I've ever heard. 
there's two Jack Hughes's. One's dad is the GM of Montreal who could have drafted him. He didn't. But the other Jack Hughes was the first overall, and he plays for the Devils. We all know this. I, I don't know. For an outsider, I understand why Jack Hughes got apparently 36% in a favorability poll uh, that I saw. By the way, did you see this? A favorability poll? Who did they poll? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So this was something that uh, Greg Wyshynski brought up, and it was uh, a clumsy transition into it, but I think it's just kind of funny uh, that this exists. They they asked several people who were self-described NHL fans right. their uh, likability rankings of players on other teams. Now, first of all, for a survey like this, no one's going to like a lot of players that aren't on their own team. Exactly. Uh, if they're self-described NHL fans. But uh, Jack Hughes overall got a less of a favorability rating than one Evander Kane and one Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane as well. So, um, okay, it I did, guess. I guess I guess Greg just went to Manhattan to do this survey. <laughs> maybe. Uh, you know, he well, went, he is he, located there, so exactly. maybe not a stretch. Yeah, you know, he just went. But out I think for he lunch was quoting figured, hey. another survey. I think what he okay. was doing there was another um, service that ran the the survey itself. So um, that's more where it was pulling from. But interesting. I wonder what their methodology was in general. But uh, I'm sure the extra Jack. Maybe maybe they thought they were talking about the other Jack Hughes. That that must be what it was. It could it could be any number of different things. I mean, you know, hockey is very much like soccer, where you know rivalries and, and team loyalties are so fierce that, you know, objectively good players on other teams, you just want to spit on because they play for the other team. And um, teams like the Coyotes get relegated. Well, <laughs> well, it depends on the league, the soccer league. Some, some leagues will pull some strings to make sure relegations don't happen. That's true. Mexico, Maybe they'll look have at you, Mexico stadium for a year. Yeah. It's, yeah <laughs> that Liga MX. I just called you out on this hockey podcast that that's an English that you're yeah. not listening to. Look, the point is, is that <laughs> we have metrics you know, about this. Yeah. But the point is here is that, you know, these types of surveys about likability, that's such a vague term, like, you know, and again, the respondent may know, may, you know, they may say they're an NHL fan, but you know, that's another factor. You know, they may be NHL fans from 20 years ago. They may not even know who Jack Hughes is. Mm-hmm. And they think, oh, Jack Hughes, is that just a name you named up? You, you made up? Is this for a video game? You know, is it going to play off the phrase Jacques? You know, um, that's my, yeah, don't ask me to speak French. It's oh, terrible. man. Yeah. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's terrible. No problem. Thankfully, this is Yom Kippur, the day of forgiveness. Uh, <laughs> Atonement. Atonement. Uh-oh. I shall atone. <laughs> I shall atone for my terrible attempts at speaking French. The point oh, here you have a whole is, day to do it. It's fine. Yeah, I've got. Yeah, the sun hasn't gone down yet. Um, the point is, is that we don't know what likability means in this respect, mm-hmm. and so, and 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 you have a lot of variability with the survey respondents. So I would take it with about a grain of salt, especially if they honestly think Evander Kane is likable. Um, you know, again, it depends on how hardcore of a fan you are and how much you follow these types of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't be shocked that people don't know about the many, many trials that Evander Kane is certainly going through. And I do mean that in a literal and figurative sense. <laughs> um, but, Ooh. but, uh, you know, that's just, that's, that's what you get when you, you know, survey the common, the common person on the street, you know, you, you're going to roll the dice in terms of how much they do or do not know. And, you know, perception, unfortunately, um, isn't always reality. Mm-hmm. Well, um, that kind of brings us to looking ahead to the uh, the next week in Devils games as we look to towards the season opener um, on October 13th. That's next Thursday. We're recording this 
on a Tuesday. It'll be probably posted on the Wednesday before the uh, game week. But before that happens, the two preseason games remaining, Devils are playing the Islanders in the newly uh, renovated sorry, arena that they actually get to play home games in in October this year. So congratulations to the Islanders. That's that's pretty neat. Yep. Um, and then Saturday, they go to Boston to face off against the Bruins one last time before they prep to go to Philadelphia to start the season. And chances are that game on the 8th will probably feature some Bruins players that are actually like good other than Craig Smith, because I cannot stress enough the number of, um, is it politically correct to call them jabronis? Because that team, <laughs> that team, the opponents on Monday night, you know, it's like, you know, some of the three of those guys, you know, were put on waivers today. It was pretty baby Bruins. Yeah. Yeah. It was very much a Providence lineup and a bunch of guys that you just scratch your head and going, okay, uh, good luck, I guess. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think on the eighth, you're going to see the Brad Marchands and the Patrice Bergerons and the Taylor Halls and other players as expected. Um, obviously, Pavel oh, that's true. Pavel Zaka. He apparently is making a name for himself, Dan. He could be turning a corner in uh-huh. Boston. Um, okay. <laughs> sure. good, good luck. My Great. Man. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, pick up a donut while you're around that corner. Cool. Um, Go nevertheless, to the donkeys, dude. yeah, nevertheless, um, it should be a stronger lineup, but it should be re- better reflect. I think what both teams may look like as they start their seasons in the following week. Again, you have to have your roster set by the 10th. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's league wide NHL required. So expect a lot of activity to happen up until that date and we'll see if the Dells surprise us with anything otherwise we'll get a sense of like who's going to be starting on the 13th mm-hmm. all right so uh anything else for this episode before we wrap things up sure uh, a couple other things i do want to point out um mm-hmm. the game against the islanders will be on tv because Ooh, it is a good. local broadcast the game on the eighth is not uh the devils have been pushing their new app their app, Dan, their mobile app yeah. for, for the Devils and the Prudential Center. I've, I know we've talked about this before, but similar to the New York Red Bulls app, they've been streaming games on that. If you don't want to watch um, streamed games on your phone through the app, you can uh, go to the Devils website and they've been streaming it through there. So, you know, if you want to hang out on your computer with a bigger screen and, you know, use your phone for other things, uh, you know, potentially other apps. Uh, you know, you can do that as well for the eighth. And then hopefully that should be the end of here. Trying to hear uh, Sam Kassan trying to do play by play because, oh my goodness, Matt Laughlin smokes him in every respect. And they tried that for a whole period on Monday night. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough to catch the games. I will say even with the app, uh, it worked okay for a while. Um I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Hopefully oh. when the actual games start, they, they figure this out. Yeah, and of course the Devils will, um, the MSG people at least, will have an additional week to figure it out because remember that first game against Philadelphia, the home opener, I'm sorry, the season opener, that's an ESPN Plus exclusive, Dan. Yay. Yay. So MSG is not going to get started until the 15th. So uh, check them out on the 6th if you can. It'll probably be a mostly Islanders-based broadcast, but hey, it's still MSG or MSG-SN, as apparently the plus is given way to SN for reasons unknown. But uh, MSG's coverage will start on the 15th with the home opener against Detroit. 
Um, one other thing of note I do want to highlight, um, I didn't make it out to any of the home preseason games, but there is one aspect of home games that I'm excited for, and I know I've mentioned it before, but I'm going to bring it up again, Dan. You can now bring bigger bags to the rock. Woohoo! The bag policy is no longer the stupid four inch by seven inch envelope size, tiny little, you know, baguette that uh, you can uh, somehow fit into there. There are, they're allowing slightly larger bags. So all you, you know, cause every time I go to a game, Dan, there's always at least five or so people frustratingly fighting their way out of the line after trying to get in because their bag was too small yeah. or the bag was too big. It wasn't small enough. And, you know, they got to go back to their cars. They got to dig out money to put it in the locker nearby or what have you. But thankfully, whether it's a league policy or an arena policy, they're finally letting some more reasonable common bags uh, to go sit in the arena and continue to cause the zero harm that the four by seven bags of years past <laughs> allowed. So I am hopeful that that will lead to an easier entry experience and a happier experience for the people who matter starting on the 15th. Mm -hmm. uh, by the way, while we were recording the devils, uh, do we talk about the official moves that they made with waivers? Because uh, they think... added Vukajevic, Dugan, and Seneshin. They've been assigned to, sorry, Utica. We should mention that. There we go. Okay. It is mentioned. It, it happened mentioned. 23 minutes ago. So there you go. Live yeah. breaking news on the podcast. But very rare. Yeah. Dugan did not get a preseason game, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he oh. did not, which yeah, is surprising. I got to hang out with the team for a while. Yeah, but you you know, even Samuel LaBerge got a game. Uh, you know, but I guess Dugan is that deep into the lineup on the right. pecking order speak. But again, he's he's basically an AHL veteran at this point, similar to Brian Pino, except Pino played in two preseason games. I'm not sure where that comparison even matters anymore. Point yeah. is, is that the roster is getting a little smaller, a little smaller, but I think the bigger cuts are yet to come still. Yep. All right. So as we await the final roster, we'll watch those last couple of preseason games, see who really makes their claim on this very open roster uh, and the spots are for the taking. So it's time. Show your stuff, prospects. This is the year that you get to see if you're a part of this train that's leaving the station or you're going to get left behind. So looking forward to seeing who stands out in those games and looking forward to obviously that first game, but we'll probably catch you before then as well, just to talk about the final roster and look ahead to real stuff. How exciting. We're finally in real stuff. It is October. Games that matter. Games that count. Yay. It's finally October. Can confirm to all the Twitter people and all the people asking the question. Okay. That all being said, we're wrapping up. Let's go Devils as always. We'll catch you next time. And thank you for listening. Thank you.